Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Jesus himself said that in the Gospels. He said, listen, the role of the Holy Spirit will be to glorify me. So any of these like spirit movement things, Holy Spirit movement type things, if it's about the individual, it's not right. Okay, if it's about glorification of the individual or the evangelist or the whatever you may call that individual, if it's not about pointing people to Jesus, then something's off. The Holy Spirit isn't always an understood part of the Trinity, but it's vital and it's powerful. In today's message, Pastor James will unpack the role of the Holy Spirit and help you to understand what being filled with the Spirit means. As you listen, understand this. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. If a move of the Holy Spirit becomes about you or some other earthly person, something's wrong. For a move of the Holy Spirit is all about pointing people to Jesus, because it's all about Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 11, you serve a good father who loves you way beyond any earthly father you've ever experienced. And if you go to him, he will give you what you need. And it's speaking in reference to the Holy Spirit. And he's like, listen, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, do all that stuff. But it, essentially, it's an act of faith of like, Lord, I need, I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me. And I trust you that you will do that, whatever that means that you will do that. D.L. Moody. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. You should be. If not, read about him. He's a tremendous man that the Lord used back in the 1800s. But I'll read this to you. Concerning him and his ministry, he'd already been preaching and doing evangelism for a while before this story happened. But in the summer of 1871, two women from D.L. Moody's congregation felt an unusual burden to pray for him that the Lord would give him the baptism of the Holy Ghost and of fire. Moody, it says, would see them praying in the front row of his church, and he became irritated. So as he's preaching, there's these two older ladies who are constantly there, and they're just praying for him the whole time. And they told him, and he'd asked them at one point in time, like, what are you, so you guys are praying, what are you praying? They're like, we're praying for you. You'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he was offended, right? So he's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, that sparked some curiosity, and he approached it the right way. It goes on to say, but soon he gave in and in September began to pray with them every Friday afternoon. He felt like his ministry was becoming a sounding brass with little power. He's preaching the gospel. He's doing all the stuff, but it was like, just not as effective. November 24th, 1871, Moody's church building was destroyed in the great Chicago fire. He went to New York to seek financial help. Day and night, he would walk the streets desperate for the touch of God's power in his life. Then suddenly, one day... In the city of New York, he says, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it, which is unheard of these days, right? Like, he's kept this kind of private and personal. He said, I seldom refer to it. It had almost become too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and had such an experience of his love 
that I had asked him to stay his hand or to hold back. I can't take any more. This was his experience with this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, stop. Please stop. I can't take any more. Is what he was saying. And uh, it goes on to say that, not within this article, but that story, he had to find, he knew of somebody who lived close by, and he's like, listen, I need to borrow one of your rooms for a couple of hours. And so he found some believers, he used one of their rooms where he was just on his face before the Lord because he couldn't take it anymore because the Spirit was being poured out onto him. He goes on to say, I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all of the world. It would be small dust in balance. He's like, I will never go back to the way it was. Now, here's a man preaching the gospel. He's saved. The Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of him, but he had yet to experience this Holy Spirit coming upon him. And two faithful ladies within his church were just praying that for him constantly, constantly. And when that happened, the spark just ignited, and everything changed. Everything changed. He said himself, he's like, I wasn't teaching anything differently. I didn't change anything. The message was the same, but there was power. The same applies to each and every one of us within this life of following Jesus and all that stuff. We got to be just like these disciples where you may feel like the Lord is calling you to do something, but you have to learn to just pump the brakes and say, okay, Lord, help me not to move until you have empowered me. Give me the strength I need. Give me the strength I need. Because as smart as we are, and as stubborn as we are, and trust me, I stand as one of the most stubborn people you will probably ever meet in your life, we're nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you may be a son and a daughter of the king. That's great. That's beautiful. But do you want to be effective? The goal is you got one life. This is it. This is it. Now, you might try to extend this life beyond, you know, however you may, the Lord is in control of all that stuff, so it doesn't matter, whatever you want to try to do, but this is it. You have one life. You got one time on this planet Earth. Do you want to be effective, or do you just want to coast? You can be a Christian and coast. Hear me out. You can be a Christian, and you can sit on the sidelines, and you will still go to heaven. I can't handle that. That does not sit well with me. It does not sit well with me because I want to live this life to the fullest, so to speak, and do, man, Lord, what do you want for me? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do? And give me the boldness. Give me the courage. Give me the power to answer yes to you today because I need it. So he's encouraging his disciples. He's like, listen, you got to hang out in Jerusalem, but don't worry. And as we read within that scripture reference, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not bailing on you. Me leaving is the best thing for you, and you'll see why in a minute. You'll see why. So they go to Jerusalem. They're going to hang out there. But he says, for John truly baptized with water, which they all witnessed. They were all part of that. They were there when John was baptizing with water. He says, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, there could be some confusion on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about 
being baptized into the body, but that's done by the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, okay? This is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the one who's doing the baptizing is Jesus himself, okay? Different things. One places you into the family, the other one puts you in a position of power, so to speak. Not that you have like this power, but like the Holy Spirit through you is the power. That's what we're talking about here with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is also water baptism. Just to clarify on that, water baptism is a public proclamation that you follow Jesus. There you go, right? You actually don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. I hope I'm not bursting your bubble, but technically, you don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. I mean, if that were true, then who was throwing water on the thief on the cross that died when he received Jesus before he died? That guy didn't ever get baptized. And Jesus himself said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So water baptism, but is it, so is that something we should do? Absolutely. And here's why. Because you stand as an example, as a proclamation, especially if you do it like on a Sunday morning kind of thing, fill up the tub, we dunk you back there and all that good stuff. It's a witness to those who are watching, like, I am following Jesus. And not just that, I am recognizing, as Paul would say in the book of Romans, that my life is buried with Christ and a new life is raising up. It's just a testimony is what it is. We do it out at the beach. I'm following Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's just a proclamation. It's a testimony of like, I am identifying myself as buried with Christ, but then raised to new life. That's water baptism. The whole subject of baptism gets kind of a little bit off a little bit theologically when you start going into like infant baptism and all that stuff. That's uh, half of my family is Catholic, and I think all of them were, I don't even, I don't, my mom would know if I was infant baptized or not. I don't know. If I was, it didn't mean anything. It's not going to save my soul. It's not. That may be a hard pill to swallow, but here's the better part of that truth. God loves kids. What if they die and they weren't baptized? Hey, God loves kids. He knows how to figure that thing out, okay? He's got kids. He's got it. I'm not even worried about that right? That's a tragedy. But listen, God is so loving and so good and so just, he knows how to do this. A kid doesn't need to be baptized. They don't even know what's going on. Probably more so for the comfort of the parent than anything else. Scripturally, there's no basis for that at all. There's not, okay? You want kids to get baptized, but you also want them to understand that I'm doing this because of Jesus, because of Jesus. And we baptize kids all the time. And we ask them, like, why are you getting baptized? Like, because Jesus, I'm like, he's your Lord and Savior? Yeah. You're going to follow Jesus? Yeah. I'm like, sweet. And they go, right? Like, that's it. It's just as simple as that. And it's as beautiful as that. And it only has to happen once in your life. But I know people who, my wife's been baptized many times, right? She had that experience where her dad was a youth pastor. Every summer camp, she's getting baptized, okay? Because why? Well, because she was, you know, she sinned. And then it's like, well, I got to recommit my life to the Lord. You get baptized as many times as you want. That's totally fine, okay? There's no limit to this thing. You really only just need like one, you know, in that sense. But hey, if it makes you feel better, <laughs> go for it. But that's what water baptism is. So that happens. That's a testimony, a proclamation. I'm following Jesus, and that's beautiful. Holy Spirit indwells you. He's living in you and all that good stuff. But what the goal is for every believer is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for him to come upon you for the power of service, for the power of ministry. With this, just one last little thing concerning that. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is always to point people to Jesus. Jesus himself said that in the Gospels. He said, listen, the role of the Holy Spirit will be to glorify me. So any of these like spirit movement things, Holy Spirit movement type things, if it's about the individual, it's not right. Okay? If it's about glorification of the individual or the evangelist or the whatever you may call that individual, if it's not about pointing people to Jesus, then something's off. Something's off. Okay? Anytime there's the move of the Holy Spirit and all that stuff, it always, always should be pointing people to Jesus. Always. The Jesus movement in the late 60s through the 70s, that may have been more, uh, I don't know if you know the statistics on that. I'll, I'll share this when we get into Acts chapter 2 of like how like revolutionary that thing actually was. Some of you guys walk through that. You live through that thing. Like earth shattering is what I would use to describe the Jesus movement. The whole emphasis on that, you know, and it was just, what? It was Jesus. Jesus. The Spirit was moving, and He was moving through the lives of individuals, and as He was moving through the lives of individuals, more and more people were pointing others to Jesus. It was like the one-wave movement, right? Like, one way. Well, what's that? It's Jesus. John chapter 14. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father but through Him. Sorry, but that's how it is. He set it up, right? You got any complaints about that, take it up with him. But the Lord set that as like, I'm the only one who's dying for the sinners of this world. I'm the only one who came back alive. I get to set the rules. I'm the one who made the world. I'm the one who made you. I set the standard. I make the rules. It's one way. It's through Jesus, period. That's it. That's it. That's beautiful in that sense that the Lord sets it that way, and he also makes a way for us to follow him. But it has to be about Jesus. It has to be glorifying to him and pointing people to him. He goes on to tell his disciples, like, he says that. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Their response to him is this. Their minds are elsewhere, okay? Therefore, when they come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, he's like, go to Jerusalem, hang out there. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. They come back together and they're like, wait a minute, Jesus, we got a question. Um, when are we kicking the Romans out? Like, when are we overthrowing the bad guys? When is that happening? And I love his response to them. Verse 7, he says, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. Basically, he's saying, like, it's, no, we're not even worried about that. When do we take back what is rightfully ours? We're not worried about that. No, no, no. When do we get justice Retribution. Lord, when does that happen? We're not worried about that. But no, not the times or the seasons. Why? Well, because your focus needs to be singular. Same applies to us today. Same applies to us absolutely today. Lord, when are you going to come back? He's coming back. I'm going to tell you that right now. He is going to come back, and it's sooner now than it ever has been. He's going to come back, absolutely. But until then, your focus should be singular. What has he called you to do? What has he called you to do until the day he does come back? I can get so distracted and keeping my eyes on the sky that I become very ineffective to the world around me that's dying and hurting. Because all I can think about is like, man, Lord, my life stinks. I want to go to heaven. When are you going to come back? And people are suffering all around me. And his 
encouragement to his followers is, that's going to happen when the time is right. But until then, look around you. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are suffering. Should we not be focused on them? Should we not be trying to minister to these people? The day's coming where he will return. The kingdom will be restored and, and all that stuff. That's, we've gone through the book of Revelation. We understand that. Right now, there's a commission in your life that needs to be fulfilled, and you need to focus on that. You and I today need to be focused on what he has called us to do. And if you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you just need to hit the brake, so to speak, and say, Lord, I need you to fill me with the Holy Spirit to an overflowing. I need you to empower me to serve you. I need you to empower me to answer this great call that you have on my life, this great commission that you've commanded all of us to be a part of. I need you to empower me. Stay focused on you, but be effective where I'm at right now. Because your window is closing. Your window in this world is closing. So I want to be, you know what, Lord, you tell me I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Bring it. Whatever that is going to look like in my life, fill me, Holy Spirit. Absolutely fill me to an overflowing. Every day I pray that. Every day I pray that. Why? Because every day I need it, okay? I don't know about you guys. Even on the mundane days of like, I got to go to work and stuff, I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me and empower me today. Why? Because I got to deal with this guy every single day. And there's a battle that happens. So it's like, okay, I need that power. I need the Holy Spirit to fill me, to empower me. This is what he's encouraging his guys. Stay focused. Don't worry about that. That'll be handled. You just do what I've asked you to do. Verse 8, the key verse. This is where we end. But you shall receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's that third preposition that I talked about. When he has come upon you. And you will or you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He's like, you go to Jerusalem, you hang out there, God's going to fulfill his promise. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be empowered. You will be my witnesses. The epicenter is Jerusalem and the ripples are going to go out all throughout the land. And for them, to the end of the earth, technically, would have been like the Roman Empire. But we know that it covers much more ground than that today. This is a great encouragement for these guys. This is a great encouragement for us as well. We need to just wait on the Holy Spirit. I understand that sometimes we get these ideas of like, man, it'd be really cool if we could do this. This is really how we're trying to set up the church to function. We're not looking to do lots of programs. We don't want to do many programs at all. We want to do church as simply as we can, right? And so the focus is the Lord, and it's not just like, okay, well, now we got more programs, so we need more people to fill in, to do this stuff, to do this stuff. I shared that quote with you guys about the Chinese pastor who came to America, and it's like, man, you guys can do so much without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm impressed, right? Which is like, oh, that's kind of sad. We don't want that. We don't want that. So whatever comes in, and we just want to bathe that thing in prayer and say, okay, Holy Spirit, this is what you want us to do? Would you just fill us? Empower us to be able to do this as best as we possibly can. Through your strength, through your power, we just want to wait on you. We just want to wait on you. That is frustrating for some people. Because some people show up and they're like, we just got to do. 
We're a nation of doers. That's what Americans are. Like, we just, we don't wait for nothing. We just do. That's a horrible mentality, okay? Now, I appreciate that in the workplace. Like, you should be doers within your workplace. But when it comes to the church and the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, we need to learn to be waiters, so to speak. That's probably not the right word. That makes you think of serving. Well, that's kind of true, too. But um, we just need to be patient and say, all right, Lord, help me not to get ahead of you. How do I not get ahead of you? Help me to wait. I want to wait for the Holy Spirit to just like, boom, fall on us. And then it's like, okay, it's go time. It's go time. It's always worth it to just wait on him. Always, always. We got to break out of this Western mentality, so to speak, of that, like, we get so antsy. You sit through a drive-thru and you're just like, why is it taking so long? We've been conditioned like this. Like, we can't sit still. We can't. We open up our Bibles to read the Word or start praying, and it's like, I get so ADD, and I'm like, ah, like, I'm thinking of all this stuff. And we've been conditioned to be like this, and the Bible is totally contrary to that. The Lord's like, just wait. Just wait. Wait on me. But no, like, Lord, no, you don't understand. You don't, he doesn't understand. He doesn't know. No, he does. Just wait. Wait on him. Wait on the filling of the Holy Spirit, that empowering. And when the time's right, man, you have no clue how the Lord can use you and to what effect. And those ripples that take place within your life, how far they spread. And I just think one day when you stand before the Lord and everything gets examined, all the things that you've done for him and whatever survives the purification process or the refining process, the wood, hay, and the stubble are gone, I think we're all going to be amazed of like, man, Lord, that's because of you. Whatever I have that survives that, and that's totally because of the Lord and what? Because you learn to just wait on him, not to move too quickly not to move too quickly, and don't put too much pressure on yourself to make things happen. That's not the way to do it. Wait on the Lord, trust in Him, and let the Holy Spirit, what He does best, and He shows up in our lives, and He, man, He can give you the right word when you need it. He can give you the courage when you need it. He can convict you when you need it, because we all need it at times. He teaches us. He does all these beautiful things within our lives. We just got to learn to just kind of chill out a little bit within our lives and say, just wait for Him. Just relax. The Lord is good. He's good. And he loves you. You're his kid. He knows what's going on in your life. He's aware of it. So just chill out. Just relax. Don't let that become a point of complacency, but my goodness, just wait on the Lord. It's cool. It'll all happen. And then when it does, you're going to be like, what? How did that happen? Where did that come from? The only credit that's out there, I mean, it can only be given to Jesus. And that's it. And the Spirit has done its job. So that's our goal, and that's my encouragement for all of us this week, is wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. If you haven't had that experience of like, you know, or even ask him for like, just Holy Spirit, come upon me, and just pray that today. If you need somebody to pray that for you or over you, like I went to my friend, I went to him, I'm like, I, I think I need this thing. He needs so loving compassion. He's like, yeah. He's like, let's do this, and he just pray for me. If you need that, well, we got people here that will pray for you. The Holy Spirit would, well, number one, hopefully the Holy Spirit is living in you, but that he would be poured out upon you. That's not a weird thing. It's not a scary thing. I don't know, sometimes we get a little shifty in our chairs when we start talking about this. It's like, it's not a weird thing, okay? And it's church. 
If we can't pray for things like this in church, then I think we're doing something wrong, okay? If we can't pray for the Holy Spirit to, like, fill somebody, then uh, we've got a wrong interpretation of who the Holy Spirit is, okay? How incredible to learn about the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of the apostles within the early church. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us in this study through the book of Acts. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, feel free to visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. We'd also love to hear from you. So would you let us know how you've been blessed by Bread for the Broken? You can drop us a note through the contact page on our website. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. So for directions, service times, and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we encourage you to read ahead and to begin to study the book of Acts on your own. Although it may seem unrelatable because it took place thousands of years ago, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is still living and active today, and His Spirit is present and seeking those who believe. And if you let Him, God can do incredibly powerful things through you for the kingdom. So the question we'll leave you with today is, will you say yes to what God is doing? And will you trust in Him to move today just as He did all of those years ago? There's still so much to learn from the book of Acts, but that's all the time we have for today. Join us again next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.